the shear is about a karsatov, okay? And I don't, I don't think, I don't plan to exhaust the topic, but, um, you know, certain sources, discuss. and there's probably going to be more to be said, but just to open it up. So the, the question started, there's somebody asked me the following question, okay? Someone asked me a question, a karsatov shiloh, if you will, okay? They had somebody without getting, I'm going to just paint without any particulars of what it is, but the rough idea. Somebody did a, a Torah for them. Okay, they were a good friend of theirs, they, whatever. They, they, were, they, were good, they were a good buddy to them. And they were there when they needed them, that type of thing. Okay? They did a Torah to them. And they really were appreciative, right? Okay. But then, subsequently, subsequently, this friend, okay, who had previously done, uh, you know, it was like not nice to this, to the to the, the the questioner, and started being like a jerk, the questioner, and really like this was rude and mean. So again, the person who was previously nice and helped out this person who asked me the question, right? The 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 person who previously did tov now started doing ra and was just being like rude and mean and just like not pleasant to be with and all that, you know? Okay, and now. Now the question is, this is like a past question, but whatever, let's just imagine the question. Now the question is, do, do, do I, does this person who asked me, have to still be Makir Tov? Or do you say that there's like, look, that was then, but now he's offset the good which he did with the bad which he did. And right now, I don't really feel like I should be nice to him. He's not nice to me. And like, you know, he's done rot to me. And he's been, uh, he's been rude. And therefore, it's like there's an offsetting type type of thing going on. Or do you say, no, bottom line is, when I needed him, he was uh, there for me, and he did good things for me. I'm really grateful, so to speak, to him for that. And I have to, you know, be there for him going forward, given that he was there for me, even though in the interim, he wasn't there for me, and he was, uh, he was a jerk to me. Right? So is there, like, some sort of accounting going on where it kind of offsets, or do you say it's like, no? It is what it is. No, so that's a good question. So that's one angle is, is he taking revenge by not helping the guy? So no, I'm not, I mean, you could, you could go that way, but I'm saying no, he's not taking revenge. It's just like, like, let's say you have somebody who's just not nice to you. So like, you don't have to go out of your way to be nice to him. It's, it's not like he's not punishing the guy. He's just not going to be there for the guy when the guy needs his help. Like, you know, whatever the guy wants his help. Like, um, you know, reminded me of, um, well, the you know, the Torah says if your enemy's a donkey falls down, load falls down, you can't look the other way and ignore him. You have to stop by and help him. Yes, but do you have to hang out with him? You're saying a crest dove means that you the guy asks you for something. If he acts no. like a you have to you have to help him out, right? No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm saying like like for example, Rebbe once gave a share. It says Yosef after the Yaakov died. So the brothers went back to Yosef. Uh, the brothers went to Yosef and, and, and lied or made up a story that ya- seemingly when Yaakov was uh, alive, he told us to tell you not to take revenge on the brothers, right? And uh, why they have to make that up? Because they saw that after Yaakov died, Yosef stopped eating with him, right? So they realized, uh-oh, what's going on here? He's going to take revenge. I know it. Why is he not eating with us? You see with us. So Rebbe's question was, well, why did he stop eating with him? And then he answered, no, I'm not, I'm not going to die. I would never punish you. I never do anything. I, no, it's Hashem who did this whole thing. Don't worry about it. So why did Yaakov, so why did Yosef stop eating with them? 
So Rabbi said that, look, he's not obligated to be their best friends. And he, he truly, he didn't love them in, in, a, in like a deep emotional way because there was like a, they, there was a mismatch or whatever. They didn't get along so great. So at the same time, look, they became Kali Israel and they were building one nation and they were working with Yaakov Avinu and they didn't want to distress Yaakov. But bottom line is, when Yaakov wasn't there, he's, he felt no obligation to just be their buddies and to eat with them. He didn't feel like he wanted to be their buddies. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, they misinterpreted it that he's angry and he's going to punish them and all that. But it's just an idea. Like, there's no obligation a person has to, uh, to go and eat with another person, to eat with them. So it's something like that. It's like, he's not saying that you should go and cheat the guy and punish him. It's just like when a guy does a tova to you, a kar tov presumably means if someone does tova to you, you have to treat him a cut above the way you treat other other people. Otherwise, you just always treat everybody who had the best, you know, give your give everything for everybody in the world. But you don't do that. Someone who did a tova for you, you owe him one. So what do you mean you owe him one? It means you owe him one. means you're going to treat him more favorably. You're going to spend time more than you would for other people. You don't have time to spend for everybody in the world, but a person who's not your tov, who gave the tov to you, you're not your that tov. And you're going to act positively towards him. Now, the question is, is that offset such that you now no longer have to give him this special preferential treatment, which he previously earned because of the toe which he did for you? Does it get offset? Or do you say he always deserves preferential treatment? So I'm not looking at necessarily like an exact quantification, but maybe just to assume if a guy does a toe to you, so then you arguably... You have to treat him. You have to treat him differently than if he didn't do tov to you, right? So let's say you normally treat everybody at a baseline of 100. Okay, 100 is the baseline. You treat everybody at a level 100. Now a guy does tov to you, so now you, so to speak, owe him one, and now you're going to treat him at level 150. I don't know, right. right? Now the question is: Now he did. He treated you like a 50 and whatever, and you know now does it get offset? And he goes back to the 100 how you treat everybody else. So now I don't know how you actually make numbers and whatever, but maybe there's not an exact accounting, but. But there, whatever, it affects how you treat him. When a guy does a tova to you, it's, it should affect, presumably going forward, how you relate to him. The question is, is that, does that last forever or does it get offset? So when I sent you asking, like, is, is Hakarazito looking at, like, a relationship status? Like, right. how are we interacting? Or yes. is looking at, like, a history. At, like, at, like, he did this thing for me that was good? And that has nothing to do with anything else that happened. Right, right. Or, but even so, you say, this was, right, is, is there like an overarching yeah. balance sheet, which basically he did good, and now he did bad, and now he did good, and there's like, a, right, a constant or is it like update, always here, updating or it, or you do it once, and then that's it. It sounds like you're mocking the toe, right? You, it's not to me, it's not, it's not to say, uh, in the cheshbon of the toe and rock. Right. Okay. It sounds like, it sounds like. Could be, but I mean, it's hard to prove it just from the work, you know? Yeah. Are we taking answers? Um, you could throw out answers in the, for the surface time being, but you know, you know what? Let, let's um, yeah. Do, do you have a proof? I I don't want just an answer, just like an off the cuff answer. Do you have a, a proof saying that like in Midas Kodesh Baruch Hashem, if a person does a does a, the actions of Tzitkas and he also does actions of Rishas, so does Hashem just uh, wipe his slate clean and say, look, we'll call it even? doesn't seem that way. It seems like even a Russia, Hashem rewards the Russia for the good deeds which he did. And even the Tzadik, he punishes him the bad deeds. It's not just like this overall thing, but that there's Chusim and there's Avonos, and they're all part of the Cheshman. And it doesn't just wash away. And we'll just call it even in the middle. It does seem to be 
that Hashem acknowledges the tov that a person does. He's Mishalim, star, uh, how's that Mishalim, the son of Alphan of Avido, right? So there's a, there is a tova that right? he doesn't withhold any star. And a person does something at tova, Hashem seems to treat it, you know, record, keep the tova. And not to, just because he did ra, so fine, we'll punish him for the ra and we'll work him for the tova. I don't know if you're going to punish the guy for the Ra, because maybe that's in the comma. I don't know, it's a little bit tricky, right? Yeah, okay, so that's, that's a good uh, argument. I heard that. More question is, like, how to think about it, and, like, what's the framework of Akar Satov? Like, I think that's what I realized. When he asked me a question, like, I didn't really know the answer. I had certain intuitions, but I just realized, like, I don't know much about Akar Satov. It's, like, a very common thing. People always talk about it. It comes up a lot. But the question is, like, I thought it would be helpful to, like, kind of see... Hazal, sources, you know, sometimes you just get a sense. It's like you could just sit back and try to think about answers, or you could try to think into Hazal, sources, things like that, which help give guidance. And I realize it's a shayla about Akar Satov, and if you don't understand anything about Akar Satov, how are you supposed to answer? Okay. So there's a Pasuk, Pasuk which the Ramam is based upon. So the Pasuk in this passage is Parashan says, It says, Don't abhor, don't reject, distance an Adomi, case of, because he's your brother. The Losa Sai of Mitzri, and don't reject the poor distance of Mitzri, because you were Gerim in his uh, in his land. So if they're Gerim, you could the third generation, you could accept them into Kalisha. As opposed to Amun and Moab, they can never come in. Gandar, Siri, they never come in. Right? Okay, so now the Rambam. So it's interesting. Don't reject them because he's your brother, and the Mitzri because you're a Gerim. He saved us. He saved I know, us I know. I know. What about love? Good question. Good question. Yeah, so that's that's a good question. That's the other part of the share which I'm not going to give it. But that's, that's there's, there's some interesting Rashi's there. But I want I because I had to decide what to focus on here. So I'm, I'm not going to focus on that. If we have time, we can. So here's, I'm going to create it from the Ram. So this is in the Marn Buchim, Book 3, Chapter 42. Okay, so in the, in the Friedlander edition, the red one. Okay, or whatever color your cover happens to be. It's on page 351. And he's talking about, there's two different topics, which are both interesting, but it's talking about like um, fathers and sons and uh, Yerusha. So it says, um, okay. Thus, our highly, I'm just jumping a little bit, our highly um, equitable law preserves and strengthens the virtue of respecting all kinsmen and doing well unto them. As the prophet says, he that is cruel, troubleth his own flesh. The law correctly says, you shall open thine hand wide unto thy brother, unto thy poor. Our stages bestow much praise upon him who is a kind to his relatives and him who marries the daughter of his sister. Okay? The law has taught us how far we have to extend to this principle of favoring those who are near to us and of treating kindly everyone with whom we have some, have have, have some relationship, even if he offended or wronged us, even if he is very bad. We must have consideration for him. Thus, the law says, Thou shalt not abhor an Adomite, for he is thy brother. Okay? So again, he's Adom, he's Esav, they've done bad stuff to us, right? But at the same time, he's saying you have to have a certain respect for your relatives and, and treat them properly. And he's your relative. Even if he did some bad stuff, we have to treat kindly someone, everyone who has some sort of relationship. Okay? He's your family, he's your relative, he's your brother. Again, if we find the person in trouble whose assistance we have once enjoyed or of whom we received some benefit, 
even if that person has subsequently done evil to us, we must bear in mind his previous good conduct. Thus the law tells us, thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou was a stranger in his land. Although the Egyptians have subsequently oppressed us very much, as is well known, see how many more lessons we've derived from these precepts. The last two precepts do not belong to seventh class, but discussion of the preference due to relatives as we are inheritance led us to speak of the Egyptians and of the Edomites. Okay? So he's basically saying, there's two different things, which are not, not exactly the same. One is the family. This idea of like giving respect to your family, their relatives, and treating them properly. And that's what he's saying is, Adam, even though Adam Esau did all kinds of bad things to us, at the same time, we have to uh, don't abhor him altogether. There is a the, keeping a distance from him. We have the three generations, but not altogether. And then Mitzri. So even though the Mitzrim did a lot of bad stuff, as we all know, right? we all talk about all the bad things the Mitzrim did to us, but we were also a stranger in his land. Where's that? What's he referring to? When were we a stranger in his land? Oh, oh, Presumably by Yosef, when he first came down, and Yosef was there, right. and um, he was the king, and he, he let us all live there, and he opened up the land to us, right? And that's unbelievable. In the famine, right? what were we doing in the famine? But the Mitzrim uh, took us in. But afterwards, they enslaved us and threw our babies into the water and all that. It's true. But they, that doesn't uh, take away from the fact that the Yaris of so. So look, do we treat them like their best buddies? No. We do distance them a little bit. We don't let them in right away. They're not like a snail stomacher. Stomacher, you let them in right away. But the uh, Mitzri and the Domi, we keep a distance, but not that much of a distance. The um, ammonium Moabi, them, forget it. They're out. Right? The man. So it sounds like this is addressing the point, right? It sounds like this is addressing the point. It's the same kind of thing. It's like this, the uh, Shaila, right? The Mitzrayim did a lot of good stuff to you. They let you in. But then afterwards, they threw the babies into the water. Would you think that you have to have a car stove to them? To the Mitzrayim, right? I mean, you'd think it's far out offset. I mean, I don't know how good the Gary's of so, but you'd think that the what enemies do we have if not the Mitzrayim and you think that would offset all the good that he had? If there were some sort of accounting, you'd think it would have been balanced off. Um, it's hard to believe that it's because there's still not that much bad. Sounds like the wrong I'm saying. No, the person doesn't talk to you. And you have to keep it, hold on to it, right? Okay, and I think that, you know, I think it's not intuitive. I think when you hear the question, the intuition is that that's not the case. Certainly not in a case like this, an extreme case like the Mitzvah. Like if this guy who asked me the Shaila, if the friend of his helped him out a little bit, and then afterwards he threw his baby into the water or anything like that, I mean, think it's crazy. Of course, I talked to that guy. But this is the Mitzvah, right? So I think it deserves an explanation, right? That's a good point. I'm saying, look, okay, so the Jews did recognize the Tova for forever, for a long, many, many years. It doesn't run out. Sounds like it lasts forever. Every Jew forever has to recognize the Tova the Mitzvah did. Do we ever, do, are we ever Yotze? Or is it just an we're eternally grateful? Sounds like we're eternally grateful to them, at least to some extent. Yeah, sure. Okay, so, so let us now take up some other, uh, another source. Okay, so, and the, one of the um, strangest uh, Rashis, okay, we're all, we're all um, well familiar with these Rashis. And I'm sure we've all heard a few them in them. But, you know, still, one can't help but heart back to them. So the famous idea that uh, Moshe did not hit the ground and did not hit the water. 
in the first two Monikos, right? And that's not the Rashi, that's shot, right? But so it's on Barashmos um, 719. Basically, tell Aaron to take the stick and put it on the on the over the waters and uh, turn it all into down. So Rashi says, "Lefisha higan ha'yar al Moshe kishenishal pasalcha." He caused the yar protected Moshe when he was thrown into it. Lefikach lo lakal yada. Therefore, it wasn't smitten by him. Lo bedam lo bedzvardim. Now bedam or bedzvardim lakal aliyda Aaron. Therefore, rather it was smitten by Aaron. And once again, in the Pasuk by Dam, 812, okay. 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 Because they protected on him when he um, saved, they killed the mitzvah by him. So rather it was hit by Aaron. Right? So it doesn't quite use the word Hakar Satov, but it kind of sounds like that. Right? Sounds like something like that. Right? Not clear. There's different ways to interpret it. The, the plainest way to interpret it is Hakar Satov. Now, I once heard a shot from Rabbi Man or Rabbi. I don't remember. Saying that it's not Hakar Satov. But it's a different idea. I heard Rabbi talk about it. I can't remember. It was Rabbi twice or once Rabbi Man once Rabbi. But once Rabbi said a pshat, or someone said a pshat. I, I, know, I know Rabbi Man once spoke about it that way. Okay, so maybe Rabbi Man. What, in Hakar Satovay or the other way? Not Hakar Satovay. Yeah, yeah, so maybe it's Rabbi Man. So he wanted to say that that it might look like Moshe Rabbeinu has this magical relationship to the ground or to the water because it saved him. The little baby Moshe or whatever, young Moshe, was saved by the ground or saved by the water. And therefore, Moshe then subsequently exercises real power over it and it will look like Moshe is the water man or the magical water man or the magical dirt man. So that would play into the idea of Moshe being this like magician by his powers based upon some early whatever. So it would like play into that type of um, mystique. So in order to not play into that, so um, therefore it was Aaron who did it. You know, but it wasn't because of Karsat it was just like it wasn't appropriate because it would convey a wrong idea to people, the Jews, the Gaim, whatever, the Mitzrim, alike, about what Moshe Reina was. It would, it would take it away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and it would make it like focused on Moshe and his special, you know, early relationship to the water or to the, the you know, which is nice. I think this was the answer you have from Rabbi Man, David? Is that, is that what you were going to say? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't quite remember it until you said it. But that sounds right. <laughs> okay, so I think so. But I heard, I've heard, I, I think I heard Rabbi say talk about it in Hakar Satovay, you know. But I, I didn't quite understand it. But it's certainly the plain shot, you know. I think, you know, it's hard to really unlearn or whatever. But you read it, that's what it sounds like. That's what you're told when you're a kid. It's hard to know if it really sounds like plain shot or just what I was thought as a kid, you know. But it sounds that way. Agree. The question is obvious: Is you have a Hakar Satov to water? <laughs> Or it's a dirt, right? I mean, it doesn't quite, it's not quite over okay. right? It's hard to understand why do you have to have a car to water or dirt. It's not like the water or dirt decided to do anything or anything like that. It was Hashem who said, you know, it was the whole thing. It's hard to make sense, heads or tails, of actually having a car to uh, an inanimate, undeciding, you know, unwilling uh, actor, right? 
Okay, so so two more sources. Okay, so two sources. Um, it's in Bereshis three um, twelve. I just want to very quickly three twelve. So it says, um, you know, when, when Adam ate from the tree, so it says, I am Adam. Right. So she's the one. Right when Hashem came to him and said, right, basically, um, you know, Ayaka. Right, and he says, I hid, and who told you, right? I'm an Did you eat from the tree? Here he was Kofar Betov. Betov, the woman who Hashem gave her, gave him, who was for his Tov, Ezer Kenegdo, all that, right? Now, here, Adam Arishon is being Kofar Betov, right? Okay. So I'm just bring that up. But maybe it's, it's another another reference to Kosatov, but you know. It's reasonable though, right? I mean it's a bit sensible. He's being covert, right? Sounds like I mean Kovertov, it's funny. Kovertov and Akosatov are like opposites, it seems, right? But they're uh, it's a, I guess an open question. Are they the same are they two sides of the coin or are they somehow different? Ostensibly they're the same or certainly related, but I mean who knows, right? You don't really know. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not being thorough about all the cases. You know, to realize what I'm saying. I, you know, I was thinking of like. Um, I wasn't sure. I was thinking of just saving this for like some Sunday share and like doing more research, and like putting together more. But I just figured it's on the parsha. It's on last week's parsha. It's on this week's parsha. And someone asked me about it, so I just figured I. You know, but you know, maybe there's 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 a bigger research project here. But I'm kind of going to go with the sources that I have. So one more source, okay. And that's in this week's parsha. So it's by Bikurim, and this is what you you, you associate with Russia. So it says um, by a part by Bikurim, right? So what happens by Bikurim? You take your um, first fruits, right, or from the first fruits, put them in a basket. You come to the base of Mikdash. You vasa la kohen mahem, right? Come to the kohen Marta I love, and you say them one sentence. Yigati hayom Hashem alakacha. Testify. Today, declare today before Hashem, your God, that I came to the land that Hashem swore to our forefathers to give us. Okay? That's the saying. The coin takes the basket, and he places it in front of the Mizbah. And then he says the following. This is the, the guy, right, the bringer, again, says. Okay, so again, he said this one phrase to the Kohen. Said it once, a sentence, gives it to the Kohen, the Kohen puts it in front of his back, and then he does the official reading of Bikurim, okay? Which is a long, I'll read it, but it's like a five sentence that we know, Rami Avaravi, we read it in God all the time, right? Yeah. So Rami Avaravi, and then it kind of concludes. So you got this one, like, introductory sentence that he says to the Kohen, like, when he hands it to him. And what's he saying? I testify before Hashem that I came to the land that Hashem gave their fathers. But what about the fruit? I mean, obviously he has a basket of fruit in his hand, so I guess the coming knows what he's here for, but he's not, not quite addressing the issue. And he's just giving a small, short little intro, which doesn't quite say what he's doing. Then he gives the person and then he goes on this whole story. And the story, we were slaves in the triumph. We heard our cries. 
and he took us out of all the miracles. And he brought us to this place. It's just wrong. And he gave us this land. There's us love Right? And now, now it's got relevant. Now I brought the first fruits of the, the land that Hashem gave me. End quote. And you shall place it before Hashem. You should bow before Hashem. Okay, so he connects it up to the fruit. So I understand the whole intro, he's done the whole story. And this fruit is the culmination of the whole story of all the Chazam Hashem that he did. And now I have this land, and now I have this fruit, and here's this fruit, right? right? Great, that's all great. It's just that one sentence at the beginning, which is just what? That's his one thing. He comes to the coin and says this one short little phrase, which doesn't address the fruit, doesn't talk about Rami Avadav. He doesn't just say, I, I, I state today and before Hashem that I came to land that Hashem gave the promise to our fathers to give us. And what is that? So what does Rashi say? He gave a Marta a love, She'incha Kafoy Tova. That is not, that I'm not, or he's not a Kafoy Tova. Right? You're not unappreciative. That's it. Rashi, I mean, there's other Rashi's, but they don't address it. They're about once a year, or it's coming, or that. But that's his comment. That's Rashi's explanation, comment on that passage. What? All right? That's how that's his help? Yeah, it's true. It's also funny. He doesn't say, right? Sure. And who needs this whole pre-declaration anyways? You know, what does he just say? Hey, how's it going? Going, right? Who's it towed to? The Kohen? The Kohen and Mikdash Hashem? Sounds like he's talking to the Kohen. He said, Uvasa el ha-Kohen, Hashem em amarta elav. You got the ayam, so you're telling, yeah, you're telling the Kohen, right? You're telling the Kohen, whichever Kohen happens to be on duty, you tell him, okay, he likes to declare before Hashem. I mean, it's funny, telling the Kohen to Hashem. So what is that? It just again, it just sounds like niceties. They're just trying to, you know, open up the conversation before you put the fruit down on the thing. Instead of just handing them and putting it down, you just give a little, you know, intro, right? But it's weird. I know we have a lot of questions, but uh, let's see if we can just address this. Okay, this is this week's parsha, so we have to start with this, you know. But the question is like, why isn't isn't the whole statement you're about to say in two seconds a good not kavoy tov? I mean, you're about to give your whole story about the Gormash and did all this stuff and he brought us to the land and all that. I mean, isn't you're giving me Gurim? Like, what is this, like, this little one second preamble? Is your Eno kavoy tov? Obviously, not kavoy tov. You're giving your Bikurim and you're saying a whole story about it, right? And which culminates in, and now I brought the first fruits, you know, uh, that, Hashem, that Hashem gave me, right? So, I mean, it's pretty good. It seems like that should be sufficient for your. Not okay, good. So, so let me elaborate. Okay, good. So the idea of the guy is he's coming to do Bikurim. But the moment of the handoff is a painful moment. Okay? It's a painful moment. Imagine he's the farmer, he's been working hard, he's our first fruits, right? And he has to, and he's doing it. He is doing it. But the hardest part is that handoff when he gives the coin, the, 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 you know? And that moment 
that moment is the moment where which has the capacity to arouse his emotions of kafwito. Again, he's giving it lashab, he's giving it to the going. And he might be feeling, while he's giving it, he's got to be feeling or emotionally, it's natural to be feeling. What am I giving them, Hashem, the Kohen, my best stuff? After all, I go through those emotions, right? It's like the parting is your emotion of your ownership, you know, digs in and you're about to let go of it, right? So you might have had this whole plan and you brought it and all that, but right when you're giving it is when you might have this feeling of, because giving it is basically a statement that it's not me. It's a Gashvah. That's like the implicit message of all, all these gifts, right? Is uh, that it's not my land. I've come to the land that a Gashvah who uh, promised to my forefathers to give me. It's my land because it's our forefathers' land because Hashem promised it. So forget even these fruits. It's like the very presence on this land. We were slaves in Egypt. The very presence, or we were Avram back in the thing, we didn't have a land. And then we were slaves. And the very fact that we're here is because it's the realization of Avtacha that Hashem gave to Avram, that he was going to give us his land. So it's like at the moment when he might feel his, his, his bylaws would kick in and his emotion of this wanting to deny anyone else's control and grab hold of it and as being his. The Torah has a, you're not ready to do your whole speech about Bikur, and that's going to be the mitzvah, and you're going to do that. But in the, like, in the moment where you initiate the mitzvah, when you hand it off to the Kohen, then there's this one Amira just to like deal with his emotion. It's not the Kriya yet. It's not really the, the Kriya's Bikurim. It's not the whole speech. But it's like trying to, to um, neutralize his natural tendency of Kafwe Tova. And he's saying, She'eno Kafwe Tova. That's what she's saying. What she's saying is like, this is when he would be a Kafwe Tova. And this statement is reminding him of the overarching framework of this land being the land that Hashem promised our forefathers. And with that thought in mind, it will ease the giving. Yeah, like yeah, you said, well, it's like, it's not my fruits, which I'm giving a small amount. It's Hashem's fruits that he gave all of it, and he's just letting me get away with just this little bit. So it's like, when you realize the very basis of your presence here is ultimately because left of Hashem, the other of us, we preceded you or whatever. So then it, it, it kind of puts you in the right mindset and undermines your feeling of being a cuff. So now, now, now the, the point though is about that it doesn't say kan makir tov, but it's more she'eno kafir tov, right? So, so uh, I'm taking from this is like there's is a tendency in a person to be a kafir tov. Okay, why is a person a kafir tov? Right, Adam Rishon was a kafir tov. Right. Why is a person a kafir tov? Yeah. Right. Right. When you receive tov from someone else, whether it be a kashbarah, whether it be the mitzrayim, whether it be anyone in our personal lives, it's it's in a certain sense it, it indicates our weakness that I needed somebody else. I only have this plan because it's from Hashem. I only even exist because the mitzrayim housed us and allowed us to exist in their land. I only had a wife because Hashem generously gave me a wife. So can I go? And any anything, right? That a person wants to feel independent, like the image of like the self-made man. They want to feel 
that they don't need anybody or anything, but they are me and I am capable, strong, confident, and I don't need anybody else. And when somebody else does a tova to me, it reminds me, it's an actual, it's an expression of my dependency, of my neediness, the fact that whatever I have, as much as I have, and as much of and all that, ultimately it's because of Gashbachu, my success because of Gashbachu, because of other people I interacted with, who taught me things when I was young, who helped me get a job, who did this, who, whatever the case might be, right? We all have a long list of people whose tova we are recipients of. And the great high place that we all think we occupy is dependent upon many factors and uh, people and God, or, uh, which are not, not due to our own doing, but due to, to, to God and people outside of, of us. And that makes the person uncomfortable. The person doesn't want to face that. We like to be right? And that's what happened, I guess, by Adam. Is that Adam or Isham? Like Hashem gave him this wife, right? He couldn't find the Isaac and Adam. And then finally Hashem gave him a wife. And he was, I guess, appreciative. But the moments when he got attacked, he saw the opportunity. This is an opportunity where I could be kafur. Right? It says, Khan kafur itself. As as Rashlam. It's funny, Rashlam says, but it says, Khan kafur itself. Right? Here he denied the Toba. It almost sounds like he was all along looking for an opportunity to kafur itself. You don't want to. The Toba to- makes a person feel uncomfortable emotionally. But look, Hashem gave him the wife. What's he going to do? Deny it? I mean, he did. But at the moment of weakness, when he's being attacked by Kaush Barakla, and he sees, ah, the wife that you gave me misled me. So it's like he had, a, he had an opportunity to basically deny the Fahashem. You think you gave me such a good thing? On the contrary, look at that. You didn't really help me out. She's the one who misled me. Right? So besides the fact that he's blaming Hashem for the whole thing, but there's an, an undercurrent of the Kaffar Batova. And again, what I'm seeing from this Khan Kaffar Batova is like there's an underlying desire to be Kaffar Batova always. It just, you need some sort of a moment to find its expression, to find the realization of it. So here, Adam Rishon is when he failed, due to R, was his opportunity to be Kaffar Batova. You can't be Kaffar Batova in the middle of the Tov. In the middle of the Tov. Some of the middle of helping you, you can't be Kaffar Batova. You smile and you say, thank you. It's later. When you, you know, when you need it, you need it. And in the middle of it, you're appreciative, and everyone is. The thing is, later, when you go on with your life, now there's like a desire for you to erase the memory of the fact that you only are where you are because of that person. We're only here because the Mitzram gave us that hospitality. We don't want to think about that. We don't want to think that we are dependent upon those Mitzram who we so destroyed and all that. We don't like to think about those things. We like to think about, we forget, we erase those memories. And that's what I think is that, but I, they're there. So we are Kofar Batov. We find opportunities. We find moments which allow us to be Kofar Batov. But it could be that's what it's saying with this Mimida of being Makertov, is that, that we have to fight that tendency. We have to recognize in us the tendency to, the desire to deny the, our dependency upon other people and upon Baruch And therefore, whenever there is a tova that someone does to us, it's like an opportunity to remind ourselves of our neediness 
of our dependency. And we could keep that in mind and let us affect our behavior going forward. Or we could just kind of deny it. But my point, I guess, is like, it's not because you owe him one. See, if you think of it maybe in a framework of like, I owe him one. It's like if a guy gives me a hundred bucks, then he steals a hundred bucks. So I don't owe him anything, right? Because it balances out. So if you think of it as like you owe him one, and maybe that's the Havamina. It's like, if you think of it as like you owe him something, so he does X for you, and then he takes away X from you. So, well, you don't owe him anything. It balances out. And there should be an accounting. If you think of that as like a debt, an indebtedness of one to the other, then there should be a, 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 an accounting. Because why does he get the tov forever? And also, it should run out. Like the times thing. It should run out. At some point, we pay him back. If it's paying them back, first of all, you shouldn't have to pay them back if they can't, if they do other things. And it should all eventually run out. But if it's not about him that I owe him something, but it's about me that I have an appreciation, like Hakara Satov. It doesn't even say Tashlam Hatov. I don't know. Maybe there's also something you know. But there's, a, there's simply, it's like, it's a Hakara. It's a recognition of the Tov. It's a recognition of the fact that I have my lot in life, or whatever the case is, because when I had a need, this person was there for me. So that never runs out. That never runs out. That's always true. So even though right now, and even though subsequently he did bad things for you, but it doesn't mean, it still doesn't take away the fact that you are where you are or you got a certain place because of the Torah he did for you. And that, that Hakara, I feel like has to change the way you act. It may not mean you're treating like he's a perfect person and the Mitzvah were not treating them like they didn't do anything wrong to us. They did do wrong stuff to us. But at the same time, they're not the same thing as Amon Moab who did bad stuff for us, but weren't, didn't do the same thing as the next one. So there's like a balance. It doesn't mean deny the Ra. And then in that sense, it's like me, this Gashbaku. It's like a Gashbaku who recognizes the Tov, which we do, and he recognizes our. And they're not offsetting. A person has a Chlios and has a Vanos, and they're both true. And Gashbaku is Makir them both. So I think the same thing for us is that we have to be Makir, the Tov that a person does, but not to put our head in the sand and say he's a big Tzadik and, and say, you know, forget about the Ra he did. No, we also did the Ra. The Mishim did Ra to us, and I also did Ra to us. So we don't take them in for three generations. But at the same time, we, we do let them in after three generations. So it's like, in Hakara, they're both true. In paying back, they would just be lost out or whatever. But Hakara, it's, it's more of like having a certain perspective on where we came from, on our history, on the different things which were responsible for us being able to get to where we're at. And one second, and last last point, I think, is that's why maybe it makes sense to have Hakara Satov to the rock, or to, to the water, or to the sand. See, if you're paying back, it doesn't make sense to pay back the sand, or to pay back the water. What are you paying them back? It's not, they, they didn't do anything, and they're not going to receive anything, or whatever. But if it's an idea of, like, a Hakara, that I exist, I exist because of the properties, the natural properties of the water. That they ended up uh, saving me downstream, and the flowingness of the water ended up saving me. Or I exist because the dirt was there, and I utilized the natural properties of the water. And I, and he always wants to have that in his mind's eye. Oh, as great as Moshe Rabbeinu is, and everything, if the water, well, there's no water. If his mother was there, and there's no river there, then they would have gotten taken and destroyed and killed by the Mitzrayim. If there's no sand there, and he had nowhere to hide this Mitzrayim, then he would have just got busted, and that's it. He would have gotten, uh, he would have gotten killed by Paro. So. He always wanted to remember the fact, not to feel like his life was taken for granted, 
but his, his life is because of these natural features of the, of the world, of the water and the dirt. And therefore he didn't want to, he felt like to be a vehicle of distor- distorting them, miraculously changing them and breaching their natural, but like prevent him or go against his appreciation, his hakara of the positive features of the flowingness of the water and of the, I guess, of the whatever, of the dirt. So it's more of like, it's not that he has to give anything to them, but it's like he, it's like he had a special relationship to the water and to the dirt because they help him remember his dependency, his neediness. And therefore, it's like he didn't want to like afflict them, so to speak, and be, give them a, a maka, which is like um, you know ruining them or distorting them. It's like now it would be like a lack of an appreciation that that he has for those features, and they're on his mind's eye. Yeah. So. Um, is there another source of this that we haven't, that we haven't explained? That? That's a good point. I thought of that also. Is that like a given guy who did Ratas, the Nazi Russia, who killed us or whatever. So he's the Russia. And maybe then, maybe for him, we'd kill him or we'd hang him or whatever. But now you're talking about the nation. Right? You're talking about the Mitzram. Right? Now, given Mitzri today, what did he do to you? So he's just an offspring of the ones who threw our babies into the sea. Right? But he's also an offspring of the ones who welcomed us in. Right, so we have to remember our history has we have two reference points about Mitzrayim, one good, one bad, or maybe more, but whatever. So we're mocking both of them, and we realize that we existed, and there was a time in our history where we existed because Paro said, "Okay, fine, I'll take you guys in, I'll give you Meitav Aret." So we're Gary's Arzo, and we have to appreciate that, and that's worth something, and you don't forget about that, even though we want it. We don't want to think about the fact that we we're dependent upon people. We don't want to think that we used to be Garim. That's like that Rashi says. Um, don't oppress the Gare because you were also Gare It's like it's a denial. There's an idea of wanting to deny your own weaknesses and your own history as a Gare. So you, the other Gare reminds you of your inadequacies. So you kind of uh, knock him down. But no, on the contrary, they realize we were also Gare. So there's like an idea, we should have, the Ram talks about it also, the membrane of all these Mishraim and my Sukkis and my Faisalists and the times of success. It's always important to remember your underlying starting times, which were not as successful. So we don't allow our, our, um, you know, our wealth to blind us into thinking that we are somehow intrinsically wealthy. No, we were slaves, and we were the lowest of the low. It's Chesed Hashem that we have the Tov. So we, we always have to remember where we came from, remember our roots. But again, we don't like to. And therefore we oppress the Ger, or therefore we are Kafar, Kafar Betov. But that's what I'm saying. It's like there's, that's why like the Kafar Betov is I don't know if it's used more often than, than Makertov, but it's almost like there's a natural tendency of Kafartov, and I feel like the Makertov is more like countering the emotional tendency we have to be a Kafartov. So in a certain sense, you could argue Kafartov is like the more primary attitude. And, and Makertov is more, you know, undermining, preventing us from doing that. You know, but we naturally want to do that and feel that. Yeah. Well, you're right, exactly. The first step by the Bikurim is to not be a Kafway Tov. And the moment of the handoff, that's how you're going to feel. You're not a Kafway Tov, and you over- overcome that by your initial statement. Now you're ready to be Makir Tov, and now you're ready to launch into a long discussion about all the ideas and all that, and like our Tov in the positive way. But this is more just at the very outset. The Kafway Tov is what's Ma'akiv you from even getting started. So at the handoff point, you first knock out the kafoytov, chain the kafoytov, and that's what Rashi says, chain the kafoytov, and that sets the stage 
for you to then go with Hashem to the Mizbech and do your official statement. But you got to get past that first. That's like, you know, Sumer of Asetov. There's a tendency we have towards Ra. We have to undercut that. And then we're going to be in the proper state where Mokshar be able to have a, a proper appreciation. Okay. Yeah. That's a good association. Donnie's saying, by the Shilach Hakim, the Rabban, that our face is good to share about, but he's saying it's not Rachamim on the bird. It's not about the bird. It's about our Midah Rachamim. So it's, it's true. It expresses itself in the bird, but it's more of an idea affection for us, that it builds in us our midah, our proper midahs. Yeah, that's, that's my main point here, I guess. I guess the thing is that if we think of the, the question was, is based upon a premise, the havamina of the question is that I owe him one. That's the way the constant traditional way of thinking about a Karsakov. I owe him one. I don't owe him one. He's been such a jerk to me. Why do I owe him one? I don't owe one anymore. He owes me one or we're, we're even. Right? I don't owe dirt one. I don't owe water one. I don't owe those stinking mitts from one. Right? But if you don't think of it as I owe him one, but that I have to be a makir, I realize that I was in a place where I was needy and I had I received tov from him. And that that's something I should always remember. That's a good moment, a good reference point for me to always remember that because that's like an instance of my neediness. We don't have so many points in our lives where we have these situations of need. And the person gave me a tov in a certain time that helps me remember the fact that I have told because of this other person or because of Goshbach. And don't forget about those things. Those things are, are, are precious. And whether that's a person who's now a Russia or whether that's a, or that's a nation who's whatever, or that's the land or the earth or the water, it's more of an idea of having, inculcating a certain a proper attitude in myself of how I relate to my existence. And that's part of the, that's why even if the person doesn't deserve the tov that I give him, it's not about him deserving. That's not, that's not the point. As I'm saying, the main point is that it's not about the other person deserving it as opposed to it's my akar. I think it's good that it's called akar tov and not hashlumay tov or something like that. Gomel tov. I mean, there's such a thing as gomel tov, but that's, that's different. Or it's, maybe it's implicit, it's related, but like that's the brother. There's like a repayment, but that's there is so, there might be such a thing like that, but that I think is subject to accounting and all that. There's one other point I want to mention is the family thing. Just as an approach, I mean, it, it takes it's, it warrants further discussion. Rama makes the point also you have that special treatment for your family. I don't even know that, Adam, but still, your family either they're bad, but still their family, and you have that special treatment for your family. So I think that's the point is that that. Every person is, has times of need. We have times, oftentimes, most of our lives, hopefully, we're confident and we're strong and we're capable. But there are always moments of weakness. People have times in their lives where they're down and they need assistance. And at those moments, family is there for you. Because maybe, because of our emotions. It's an emotional thing that we have in relation to our family. Is there anything better about my family than anybody else? No, it's just my family. It's my emotions. But the reality is that in the Bria, Hashem made us in a way that we do have these self-preservation instincts because of our genes, because of the selfish gene, whatever theory it is. But bottom line is, is that we're made in a way that we do have an identification with our relatives. And that identification allows us or propels us to stand up for our relatives in time of need. And everybody has times of need. And our relatives are the ones who are there for us. 
And a uh, ger, for instance, doesn't have relatives, and therefore his Hashem is always the ger, because he doesn't have, he's given up his relatives in order to become the Kosh So Hashem gives him the special protection to, uh, he's always ger, and he commands us to do it. Or ger, yasam, the yasam and almana, they're lacking in their, that support system. And therefore they're in tough situations, and there are many mitzvahs, and Hashem, they cry out, Hashem answers them. But these people need a support system. And your support system, ultimately, is your, is your family. It's built into our DNA that we have that. And, and it's, it's for the good of the world and for the good of society that people respect that. And your family, they're the ones, you're the one who's going to help them in their time of need. And if you just say, no, nah, I don't really care, I'm, I'm, just, I'm busy, well, then they're, they're going to fail and they're going to falter and they're not going to be able to, to subsist. And who's going to take care of them? Strangers? Strangers don't care about them. You do care about them. It's like the mitzvah of the tzedakah. Is then and any of your mishpacha comes first, and then any of your city, and then any of the whole world. So why? Because there are emotions here which are built in, and it's an intelligent system. Just like Chayav Goldman, you take care of yourself first because you know about your own needs. You take care of your family because you know their needs, you feel for their needs. So it's like an intelligent system for the good of the world that people start with themselves, and then their family, and then their city, and then go outwards. So it's like, even though it's rooted in some sort of a selfish personal emotion but it's for the overall good of the world it's it's advantageous and that's why the, the mitzvah or the, the mitzvah is uh, he's your brother and if he needs help then who's he going to turn to no one's going to help him not yet. so you know certainly you know there's more to be said about that and, you know i know where this year is more about the cross than about family but I think something like that. That's good. Existence. That's good. So Moshe is saying to connect up the family with the Karsatov, which is compatible. Is you know another shot that yeah the family again like, like you said yeah, you want to feel like you're a tested baby as if you're just the person who just exists. But the family reminds you that you came from somewhere. You're going towards somewhere. Your brothers, your sisters, your whatever. So it kind of contextualizes your existence in a bigger picture, one link in a bigger set chain. So it gives you that perspective and scope. And there, that's part of having a proper sense of self. Okay, perhaps. Perhaps they're unified. I mean, that's, I agree with that point. Uh, you know, I think what I was saying is also true, but they're not, you know, they're consistent. Fundamentally.